0: For the first time since 2014, the Grand Funnel. Of the AFL, we would play between teams that finished on the hone away ladder in the top two spots. Meanwhile, Lockie Neal is now a two-time Brownlow medalist, and silly season is well and truly underway. This is the fans eyed view. It's brought to you by Footy Live, TLA, and of course, Sportsmate Mobile. This is the Grand Final Edition, and with me to break down all the news, the superstitions, and the excitement of Grand Final Week here from a rooftop, just in the heartland of AFL Nation, down the road from the MCG is the number one footy fan himself. Yep. Nicky G.
1: Good to be here, Gordo. And obviously looking forward to the big game, two big clubs. I'm kind of – I'm satisfied that it's – that it's Brisbane-Collingwood and it's going to be a repeat of those 2002 and 2003 games. Obviously, a big rivalry from my childhood, so it's got a bit of that nostalgia feel to it. And also, like, two best teams all year and um, I-, I think, you know, over the last couple of years at least, they always... the These two... Teams always seem to put up a good uh, game when they face off against each other. So, really looking forward to seeing what they can produce on a on a hot, sunny day yes.
0: at the MCG. hot, sunny day in September doesn't get much better. As is usually the case here, I like to ask you a question without notice. And uh, on the run sheet, if you have read it, it has the numbers 45 out of 126. So, my question to you is, would you rather, as a fan... Yep. Make the grand final once in your club's career, and win it,
1: mm-hmm.
0: or make the grand final every three years, but only win it once out of those three years.
1: Probably, yeah. Yeah, I guess being a part of Grand Final Day, you'd want to be there more mm. often than not, and you're still winning it eventually. So why mm. not? <laughs> that is the uh, that's
0: the Collingwood fandom. Forty five grand finals yeah. they would have played in once they play on Saturday out of one hundred and twenty six years of the VFL AFL. Yeah, which is once every three years on average. Yeah,
1: yeah it's by a, it's far a, it's the
0: most successful in terms of making the grand final. Obviously, Essendon and Carlton was... uh, have uh, sorry, yeah, Essendon and Carlton have one more grand final win at yeah. sixteen than Collingwood. Yeah, so they only win they've only got fifteen out of forty five so far. At Collingwood, so the uh, losing record is sixty six percent, which means two out of three times you're leaving grand final day. Uh, with tears.
1: It's a good record. It's a good record to have, especially if you're, you know, 100 years old and you've seen a lot of their Grand Finals. But there hasn't been many over the last 30, 40, 50 years, really. They had 2010, 1990.
0: um, That's it, in terms of premierships, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but Grand Finals have... Grand Finals, yes. 2018. 2011 of course yeah of course 22 2002
1: 2003 they love getting to a grand final they they would want to win this one i feel like obviously of course everyone you want to win yes obviously yes, but but uh, i think their patience might be running out a little bit especially people haven't forgotten about that uh west coast uh, grand final a few years ago in 2018 they're constantly reminded about that dom Sheed goal so they'll want to set the record straight and get a cup in their hands
0: we get there talking about winning things Lockie Neal two time Brownlow medalist and usually what happens is that a Brownlow medalist is announced and everyone spends the next 48 hours telling everyone else how good that player is not the case this year no not the case at all no Juddy became a two time Brownlow winner after a very average year for him playing for Carlton and everyone was kind of like well he's a great player he deserves a second Brownlow, it's okay. Yeah. With Lockie Neal, he wins his second. He's polled in the in the podium spots the last five years in a row. He's polled the most votes of anyone in the last five years. And then this year we say because he won his second one and we didn't think he deserved it, we being, I don't know who we is, but the royal we of media, mm. we need to change how they vote in the Brownlow medal. What did you make of Lockie Neal? Did he deserve it? Did he deserve the
1: Brownlow medal? Well, he did because he won it. I, I really like Lockie Neal yep. as a footballer he's a big and, yeah, that's yeah, okay. <laughs> and as a person as well as a good bloke he comes across as a really nice guy but I don't know I, I don't think I don't think even he thought he was in for a chance to win it he didn't even prepare a speech on the night yeah Um. I don't think he was the best player this year and I think that's fair to say that happens all the time was
0: Pris yeah. the best player when he won it <sighs> Was Shane Moe Woden the best player when he won it? There's there have been, been, been some, some weird, They're weird
1: playlists. <laughs> there they really has, but I just feel like there was just some plays that really stood out this year. Dacos was one of them before he got injured, as um, Butters' name was thrown about and Goulden and all that. But when you look at the, the numbers that Bontempelli put up, um, he was elite. He, he was, yeah, classed elite in most of the main categories he probably deserved to win it just like he did two years ago. So
0: then it brings up um, this issue, as you said there, about numbers.
1: And yeah. so
0: we mentioned this briefly during the, in the office during the week, but obviously uh, the Gerald Waitleys of the world have come out and said the umpires yeah. need to have access to the stats. Yep. And um, the fans have all said like, oh, I see the stats, I saw the Supercoach scores. My question <laughs> to you is not so much whether the umpires need the stats or not, but do we rely too heavily on stats now to grade players as elite. Like, um, like, otherwise, if we go to stats, it's going to be even more midfielders. Like, Toby Green might, you know, if he stays on the park, doesn't get injured, doesn't get suspended, he's good enough to be the be- deemed the best player. And this year, he was the captain of the All-Australian team. But he'll never win a Brownlow if we go down this stats track.
1: Yeah, correct. I I don't... Yeah, I agree with you. I, th- I think we do look at stats a lot. And I don't think that Brownlow should should, you know, be decided purely on stats because, as he said, like, it doesn't really give key defenders, key forwards, Ruckman an opportunity to win it um, when they're being compared to midfielders. But in saying that, I I still think um, it it, it should be a guide to go by stats. Um, There were some howlers on, on Brownlow night like the Jason Horn Francis one, he had 13 disposals as a, as a midfielder, got the three votes, um, in a game where he probably shouldn't have, I think he had like four turnovers. There's just, there's no way at all, you know, he should be, um, should be getting three votes or even one vote on a night like that. That's probably where looking at the stats, would have helped the situation it would have been like okay maybe we we saw his game wrong because yeah. again like I'm, I'm not blaming the umpires because I think they've got a lot more important things to worry about than who's best on ground on the night um, they're obviously trying to officiate the game and we know how hard that can be in, in the AFL um, but yeah, I I think they they should at least just be shown just so they can look over the numbers before they put their votes down, you know, just as like a fact check. Hmm. Why not? Um I think it sh- should probably be done. Yeah. Yeah, and I also think sometimes the stats I think it's still possible to have uh,
0: a good game and have and have small stats, but yes, the Jason Hall Francis was clearly a mistake. Yeah. That wasn't a three-vote game, but mistakes obviously happen. But, um, uh, but should, they, should, they, should they change it completely? So I've heard all these different takes to yeah. – we well, just need to say that the Brownlow is just another award, Who cares? It's not that big a deal. Yeah. Well, they should make the Brownlow an amalgamation of the media and the coaches' votes and the people's votes like they do in the NBA with the MVP voting. Yeah,
1: yeah. Do we have to change it or should we just all chill and well, go, it's the Brownlow? <laughs> Who well, cares? I been I've been calling for change for – Many years, Gordo. (laughs) Um, And a lot of the time I've said it on this podcast as well. But, um, yeah, I think, yeah, you mentioned it, the the NBA one. I I was thinking the other night, I'm like, why do we even have a count? I enjoy the count. It's very exciting to watch. Um, And this year... But one of the best counts. Uh, of course, of course. But when you think, okay, we, we're giving out three votes per game to 44 players or however many players there are these days, um, it just means a lot of players get unrecognised. Like there, there, there was games where um players kicked five six goals and weren't getting votes there was a lot of team uh, a lot of players out there putting in really good performances not getting votes for mistakes or the umpire didn't see for one reason or another but um yeah I, I just think if we yeah um i guess change the way we vote and maybe do it like the nba or do it like the premier league or any other sport where we just pick a winner at the end of the season
0: yeah yeah, why does it have to be game by game? Yeah, just, yeah. You should, maybe it should be just a vibe. And you just go, yeah, that was the best.
1: Because then, then all of a sudden, the the, the whole thing around midfielders being a midfielder award that goes out the window. Mm. Then we just pick the best player. Max Scorn could have had a Brownlow by now. You know, Buddy Franklin could have had a Brownlow when he kicked a hundred goals in a season anyone could be up for a brown low not just like who got the most possessions in a game so yeah mm. interesting one and it is
0: interesting when you look at the difference between an award that is voted at the end of the season based on overall performance like the all australian team yeah lucky neil didn't make the all australian team yeah and so that says just in his position alone there are nine players who are better than him yeah and then he goes and wins it on brown middle night yeah so it does show that this year they got it wrong whether or not we need to complete overhaul or not Always up for debate. But, you know, reality is it's one of the oldest awards in the competition and it's probably not going to change anytime soon. Although, new CEO coming in. Andrew Dillian might just want (laughs) to...
1: Just change things <laughs> up You
0: know That's his legacy piece I'm going to fix the Brownlow it,
1: it would be a slap in the face To umpires And to Lockie Neal If they were to change it uh, Like straight after this Brownlow yeah. So Yeah I'm not sure if it will be changed But It's always fun to, to debate It is It is And also Lockie Neal Congratulations mate You're a Brownlow medalist You're
0: a two time Brownlow medalist No one can take that away from Indeed. you Yep And, uh, you know, who knows? You might be joining the elite club of the Brownlow-Norm Smith premiership trio with the likes of uh, Dustin Martin. Now, speaking of things that need to change, Mm -hmm. everyone, again, the royal everyone on the media, is uh, up in arms over your man. Clarkson: North Melbourne has successfully got some draft concessions: an extra pick at the end of round one this year, mm-hmm. and two extra picks for the next two years, or one and two, something yeah. like that. Yeah. They've got concessions for the next three years. Yeah. And uh, Chris Scott and uh, Co are saying it's a joke. Yeah. Now. I got a little uh, quest for you. How many times do you reckon that the Ruse have played in finals in the last ten years?
1: In the last ten years, well, they made a prelim in t- in fourteen and fifteen, mm-hmm. I think.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So yeah, I'm pretty sure that was it. So they played eight finals. Eight. Eight finals in ten years. Not yeah. bad,
0: not a bad little return. Yeah, uh, the Saints. This is their first year. They've played one, one final that time. Yeah, haven't finished last. Haven't decided to super tank. They've been down the bottom, obviously. Yeah, um, but no, you know, no uh, concessions for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alistair Clarkson's, uh, I suppose, counterpoint to that was uh, they've lost the most games, and no team has finished bottom two two years in a row with their losing percentage. <laughs> now that just says to me they're tanking
1: yeah who knows it could, they could be
0: yeah <laughs> we'll never know but um, um sh- does this need to change did they deserve those picks and is Alistair Clarkson the king of concessions because you must admit that uh, your 3 P was based on exactly the same oh, tactic no not to that
1: extent uh, you still had pick what you had we, we got rough in and that was it but that's but you still had pick number one as well. No, pick number one we Fremantle had it and mm. they traded it to us. Yeah, And we gave them Luke McFarlane and Trent Crowe for the, the pick mm. number one, which we got Hodge with. So that was that. We didn't get that concession. We got Rufford's uh, pick, which was pick two. Yeah, but that was um, back then. There was there was compensation picks for or not compensation. There was priority picks for a, a new team every single year, because that's that was the rule back then. Mm. The rule back then was, if you don't win five games in a season, you get a priority pick, yeah. pick automatically.
0: And then and, and that, then Hawthorne went on to win a three-peat in not very many years after that. Yeah. And then four in five years, Yeah, and- uh, Well, it rightly got changed. And it rightly got changed. And now, yeah. lo and behold, the same coach yeah, is back running the system now. So what I'm saying is that in the <laughs> next 10 years, North Melbourne's going to win three premierships.
1: Possibly. The, the, they have that you, many
0: draft picks.
1: Yes, and if you look if you actually look at their list, the the, the amount of top 10 and top 5 picks they have is ridiculous hmm. and they're going to get more. Um, they they could end up with an extra 3 this year hmm. by the time their trading and dealing is done. So yeah, it's it's Pretty ridiculous. And um, well, to answer your first question about Clark's, and he gets whatever he wants uh, whenever he asks for it most of the time, to be quite honest. And number two, do they deserve it? No, I don't think so. I don't believe in concessions. And I know Gold Coast and a few of the interstate clubs have a lot of concessions. Maybe, okay, they deserve it, but I think we should start stopping that now. I don't think Gold Coast need as many concessions as they get now. Um, they they were competing for finals this year and last year, and now they're going to be getting three academy players who are all tipped to go in the top 10. So they're going to introduce three top 10 picks. It's, it's a lot. Um, I don't think it's it's needed as much. And yeah, I don't think North, um, they, they, they got in the position they're in now. Was at their own doing. And mm. I know North Melbourne supporters won't like to hear that and they'll disagree with me. And yeah, it can be debated, but. Um they they chose to go down this path of a full rebuild. Mm. And one of the risks of going down this whole rebuild path, ask, ask Carlton supporters. They, they were down at the bottom for years and they, they've had numerous number one picks. Um, yeah, you can be down there for a very long time. But um, like Chris Scott said, I agree with him. I don't usually agree with Chris Scott. The, the, the ladder and the way the draft is set up is to help teams that are at the bottom of the ladder. All right, you finish last, you finish second last, you get pick one or two. Hmm. So that's what it's there for. Why do we need to be gifting them anymore? And yeah, we probably will see North Melbourne at the top end of the ladder in five years, but you know will there be an asterisk there? <laughs> a lot of people won't be happy with it. Oh, absolutely not. A lot of people weren't happy
0: with the uh, Hawthorne situation either. <laughs> uh, the old Super Draft. But um, that's mostly because most of the teams around that were terrible at drafting at that stage. Shout out to the uh, Richmond talent crew yeah. uh, back in that period. Tambling over Franklin. Tambling. What, a, what, a, <laughs> what a pick. Um, but more importantly, as you mentioned, Yep. As you said, we already have an equalization system there that's fairer than most other competitions in the world. You finish yeah. last, you get pick one, unless you want to trade it with someone. Why and like if you want to rebuild compromise that? And like as I said, like is this deliberate? Well you think it ha- has to be deliberate at some stage because Brad Scott, brother of Chris, clearly they have some fights on the dinner table when it comes to our draft compensation. Because yeah. they decided the cull Basically, every senior player mm. out of the, out of that thing after a couple like a couple years after a prelim loss, yeah. and go all right, let's rebuild, yeah, let's and, get as many draft picks as we can, and we're going to be crap yeah. for five years, and then we're going to try and, and cut up some back back up the ladder, and that's it. Well, that's what we want to do. That's what we want to do. But it shouldn't we shouldn't reward you for making that decision, yeah. and we shouldn't try and hasten it because you're currently that's playing it. poorly.
1: If you don't rebuild come your cry list, poor yeah. after you got rid of this all is your not senior West Coast. players, yeah, yeah, you
0: like, haven't been attacked by COVID yet, and you, sh- you didn't get shut out of the, the country for two and a half years you chose to do this yourself.
1: Yeah. And they, they again, they will argue, they will say, oh, but those players needed to retire. They weren't playing that well. Correct. But you, like, if you look at a lot of the good teams, like what Geelong's doing now and yeah, and maybe what Hawthorne did a few years ago when all their senior players are moving into retirement, hmm. they, they don't just get rid of four, five, six, seven players at once in one off season. Hmm. They do two one year, two the next year, two the year after. So you keep that, those senior players and that leadership in the club and the culture. You yeah. don't just press the full reset button. So Yeah. I think they've learned their lesson. They have, uh except they will not
0: when uh you know they win a premiership <laughs> in, in five years time. But uh shout out to Clarko, he knows what he's doing, Psst. wink wink, nudge nudge. Get man gets what he wants, as you've said, and you've clearly jumped off the bandwagon of the Clarko
1: uh, disciple. Now that he's changed his colours, you're clear like I'll always love Clarko, don't get me wrong. But it, i I just know the character that he is. He, he's um He's got a bit of control over the AFL. He did at Hawthorne as well. When he wanted a rule change or something, he just needs to come out in the media and say it and put his word forward and more times than not, he'd get his way. And he's uh, got his way yet again
0: speaking of people who like to put their name out in the media uh silly season is here so get ready for some crazy off-season stories get ready for some angry <laughs> kane corns rants and he's jumped off the top rope on callum mills so keller mills co-captain has had a mad monday wrestle yeah. for the first year player he's come off second best he now has to have rotator cuff surgery <laughs> and he's gonna miss wow. Either. Round one, half the year or all of next year, depending on which journal hospital uh, ambulance chasing journal you you want to listen to uh, on your Monday mornings. and then Kane Corns came out and said, uh, basically it's unprofessional, it's disgusting. And then went through and listed just like recreational activities that people do in their <laughs> off seasons from water skiing, to playing cricket, to, you know, raining up yeah. cattle in the, in the paddock. Yeah. Um, let's <laughs> we'll start with Colin Mills first. Uh, should he be punished? And I think the punishment would be like, should he lose his captaincy at Sydney? And let's go back even one step further. Mm. If you're a Sydney fan, cause right now, the only yeah. person who I've heard is upset about this is Kane Corns.
1: Yeah which usually
0: says that no one's actually upset about this.
1: Oh look, But Sydney if you were a city would fans, would you be upset? Absolutely, yeah. Well, it's a nine to 12 month injury mm. um, and it could have been avoided. Like I think it was the Swans tried to cover it up a bit and say it was an arm wrestle. I don't believe that for a second. I don't think it was an arm wrestle. It was definitely some sort of WWE action. I think young Jacob Constantine was trying to give Mills the old duplex. But um, yeah, I I would be pretty angry about that, especially from a leader. Like if it was just one of the senior players and you know sometimes stuff happens, but you you got to be leading by example. and. Doing wrestling stunts at a yeah a postseason function, not the smartest thing. Um, again, you learn your lesson, but you have already like this. This current AFL season isn't even over yet, and you've already jeopardised Sydney's 2024 mm. season. Um, yeah, that, that that would be a massive loss to the Swans if he was to miss twelve months. And so, like, how
0: serious do you get about this? So, like in the NFL, there are sometimes clauses in your contract that say that if you get if you injure yourself outside of season, yeah. we just yeah. terminate your contract. Or if we inj- if you injure yourself outside of a football activity, mm. so if you're in the gym and you get hurt, you're out training training you get hurt, so be it. But um, if you're doing, if you're WWE wrestling at a Christmas party or a <laughs> uh, Mad Monday, yeah, we're not covering that. Do you think we should go all and corns on it and be like, if you hurt yourself doing leisure activity, it's on you, and we now void your contract?
1: Probably wouldn't go that far. I don't think it's not. Yeah, it'd be a bit harsh to say we're not paying you for the next twelve months, but. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Callum Mills has to fork out a bit of his own pocket out of his own pocket to pay for surgery or something like that. Hmm. Um, And stripping captaincy, tough one. I wouldn't be opposed to it. Hmm. It's a tough decision to make. Well,
0: it it doesn't show much leadership in the sense of can I sacrifice? Because what are we really asking of a footballer here? Just not... Not to be dumb, really, yeah. which, to yep. be fair, is a big ask for some footballers. Yeah. But, again, it's not like you can't live your life. We're not saying you can't go out for a bike ride or a jog or for a yep. swim or a surf. Yep. We're just saying don't be wrestling. Yeah. Like, when you could severely hurt yourself, probably don't go parachuting or skydiving or something like that. Like, yep. just just rein it in and just use your, use your common sense. Common sense, exactly. But, again, not not very common these days, unfortunately. So, and, again, I think – It'd be the same like with this, like if, oh, and again, I suppose Robbo is a bad example, but like look at the media it's like, you probably shouldn't smoke if you're going to be a radio presenter. Of course. You want to look after your voice. E- exactly And if you right. lose your voice it, because you have throat cancer, we're not going to pay you Your voice is anymore. your money. Yeah. It's, it's your job. He's and the, his arms his money and he yeah, can't use his, his arm body. now for
1: 12 yards. So. Exactly. And I'll, look, I'm all for, I am completely pro, you know, AFL players having their own life, athletes having their own life and doing what they want to do. But hmm. like you said, body is their money Hmm. they need to keep it fit they should be you know if I was an athlete I'd be training in the off season doing my own thing getting ready for pre-season to start not doing silly things that might injure myself and the
0: opposite happens too in terms of like the real world where you know tradies will often retire from sport especially contact sport because they're like well I keep getting injured at at footy I'm out for three months I can't work yeah well, if I can't thing. work I can't pay the bills what's well, the reverse thing now don't do something that's going to prevent you from paying the bills next season so Completely very very great. silly Colin Mills but at the end of the day he's a 20 something year old he's younger than us now which is sad um, <laughs> and uh, whilst he might know better he, uh, he didn't at that time hopefully has good speedy recovery makes it back for round one but um, a lot of work ahead for him On to happier notes, it is of course Grand Final Week. And my question to you is twofold. Now, uh, a lot of calling with fans everywhere, a lot in our office. Yes. A lot of different approaches to the week. Mm. So, part one is how do you, as a person who's had countless experience in you know, Grand Funnels, mm-hmm. how do you approach Grand Final Week as a fan? Because the split has been like lap it all up and then some Collingwood fans have been there and done that before and they're kind of like don't talk to me don't say anything don't jinx it I don't want to engage with it until the day is done how do you approach grand final week
1: you have to enjoy it you have to enjoy the the whole week um,
0: you got to be listening to every single piece of football content you gotta be getting every single footy record every yep. newspaper
1: yeah just eat it all up the content uh, I'd be attending uh, training which yep. the clubs did today uh, I'd be attending the grand final parade soaking it all in you can't take these days and these weeks for granted. Like mm. football, uh, AFL in particular, it's a cycle. Like yeah, your, your team's good for a short amount of time, and then you're bad for a, a, quite a long period of time. It could be another thirty years before you make another grand final. Who knows? Mm. So enjoy it. Um, I can understand uh, some supporters, I guess, um, believing in you know those hoodoo's and not wanting to jinx their team. Um, but, you know, it's fun. Just, yeah. Um, yeah. Let At the end lose. of the day, you're not playing. Yeah. There's no reason
0: for you to be nervous. Like It can be funly, like, funny, funny, nervous, like, oh, I hope we win. But, like, yeah. what you do this week will not affect your team unless <laughs> you go out there with, like, a cold or a flu to just yeah. train, cough on them, and get the whole team yeah, sick. Yeah, yeah, Don't true. do that. If you've got COVID, stay away from open training. <laughs> but other than that, yeah. do what you want, be as obnoxious as you want, enjoy. Yeah. Wear as many footy colors as you can and uh, enjoy it because come Saturday, that's when you'll feel sad or happy for no reason whatsoever other than the result of the game. Correct. Just but let it And You can play control out. the happiness before then. Yeah. Uh, part two of my question is what's the perfect grand final day as a neutral? Because obviously, the perfect grand final day as a supporter is I've got a ticket to the grand final. Hopefully, it's better than standing room only. Yes. Shout out to Tick Attack. <laughs> and then my team wins. Yep. That's all that matters. It, it, okay. That's tick. Job done. But as a neutral, what's the best day? Are we going to a place that has lots of the people involved? Or do we prefer all neutrals and like it's on the background? Is the commentary on? Is the commentary off? Are we splitting it between radio and TV? Do you have barbecue um, (laughs) or salad? What's going on?
1: Um, Definitely a barbecue. Yeah, a few salads, keep it a bit healthy. A few frothies flowing. Uh, yeah, in terms of the people at the party meh, well, I guess you, you just want to be around like obviously like friends and family I wouldn't want to be around too many supporters I think as the club because then it gets a little bit too serious yeah. you, you can't you won't be able to say the things you want to say about certain teams and you want to have that freedom. You don't want to be offending anyone or, yeah, um, yeah you don't want to have to stay quiet if Collingwood are getting pumped and um, someone's crying in the room. Yeah, you don't want that. So yeah. you want a little bit of freedom. You want to enjoy the day and, um, yeah, definitely plenty of food and bevs.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, either, either that or as a neutral, anyone who supports the team, mm-hmm. who, no, who supports them like properly in the sense they actually care, um, they just have to consent to all kinds of banter. Yeah. Like they just have to have a good sense of humor about it yeah. because you can't be like, shut up. Like, oh, no one can talk for the last five minutes because yeah. you know, they're superstitious. Oh, None of that. Yeah. Those people are banned from neutral barbecues. But
1: if I was, if I was a supporter um, and my team was playing in the grand final, I, the last place I would want to be is a grand final party with heaps of people because you want to be concentrating on the game. You want to be listening to the commentary. You want to be in your zone and you do not want any obnoxious friends taking the piss out of you if your team is losing. You would, oh, that, I couldn't think of anything more annoying. <laughs> so what do you do then? Watch it at home by yourself? Either go to the game or... Watch it with uh, other supporters of your team, mm-hmm. whether that's friends or family, or whatever you want. Yeah. Or a live site, probably, I like get down yeah. A live site, yeah. yep. I'd be surrounding myself, if Hawthorne were in it, I'd be surrounding myself with Hawthorne supporters, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Try and replicate
0: that, uh, that game day experience. Exactly. Uh, speaking of game day, let's get on to the game day itself. But beforehand, due to our popular demand and the success of last week's uh, preliminary final trivia, Bit of Grand Funnel trivia. How many times has one played
1: two under the current Funnel system? Um, Well, you gave away a clue in your intro. Mm -hmm. You said it hasn't happened since 2014. Mm -hmm. But it it, it feels like it hasn't happened in a while too. So, yeah, obviously that um, the Sydney Hawthorne Grand Final in 2014 – Hawthorne Geelong was also first and second. At the top of my head, 2009, no, 10 maybe. It was 10, Collingwood and St Kilda. Yeah, I think so. It was one of those, St Kilda finished top. Maybe Geelong. I can't really remember at the top of my head. Sydney Hall. Oh, no, not 2012. No, I don't know. I can think about maybe three at the top of my head. Yep. So it's seven times since
0: 2000. Okay. Uh, that first has played second. So quite no. rare. And as you said, it hasn't happened since 2014. Yeah. Uh, and out of those times, how many times has the minor premier won the grand final?
1: Uh... Well, the three I just mentioned, second place. Mm. I'm just trying to think what other – so, yeah, I guess maybe with the Sydney – maybe the Sydney West Coast Grand Finals were first and second. Yep. Um, I don't know. I, I, I can't twice. really remember. Just twice. What twice out of seven. First beat second. With first beat second. Wow. Out of seven. Out of seven. And when was the last one?
0: I think the last one was when Geelong pumped Port Adelaide by – was that first and second too, wasn't it? Yeah.
1: Interesting. Okay. There you go.
0: Um, I think that was the last time, but uh, do your own research you, yeah. on that one. But yes, yeah, only two out of five, so it's a bad luck charm to finish on top and have to cop second place. Ooh. And uh, the more more hoodoos come in here. Um, and so we'll do with the uh, the away team first. Queenslanders don't seem to like Melbourne, well, at least the MCG. Brisbane had only won once at the MCG from their last 12 visits, and that was last year against Melbourne in the finals. Uh, meanwhile... The Collie Wobbles have probably returned. Yeah. So 2010 was the last time uh, Collingwood won a grand final. That was in October after a draw. Uh, otherwise, they had the five-point loss to West Coast. They had the 38-point loss to Geelong. They had the 50-point loss to Brisbane in 20, 2003 and the nine-point loss to, to, in 2002 to Brisbane as well. Um yeah, small losses and blowouts. are Usually, the uh, the weight ends for Collingwood. Yep. Yeah. And, but do you believe in, in hoodoo's as a person that lived through the
1: Kennet curse? Yeah, definitely. Oh yeah, I believe in them. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. When you live through that phase, oh. um, and even yeah, even like the col- the whole Collie wobbles thing, and um, like you mentioned, it, it can't be it can't just be chance that teams that finished f- first playing second. Haven't won that many grand finals. Like, there's got to be something in that. Well, I reckon whether it could it's be. pressure in the head or
0: okay, I've seen me like the teams that finish first. And again, this is this is a little bit of a not backed up evidence. So maybe I'll come back for a post grand final uh, remit. But um, I feel like look at this year, Collingwood out of the blocks early, and then yep. they lose form towards the end of the year. But they've already banked up enough wins that they can finish on top. Yeah. Whereas second place, third place, fourth place, these teams that are usually winning the grand funnel, yep. uh, finding form. In the back half of the year, and coming in off yeah. you know six, seven, eight, nine, eleven game winning streaks.
1: Yeah, and um, that's un- I think That's, so that's underrated maybe, as yeah, well. Likes it as well because um, we always say like you, you got to peak at the right time of the year, and um, when you when you compare yeah Brisbane's run into the finals with Collingwood's, you, you just feel like Brisbane are the team in form. Um, and I know, yeah, the the MCG curse. I feel like. I don't. I don't think it's so much of a curse anymore. I feel like they're getting better at playing there. They they did lose to Melbourne recently there, but it was only by a point. They got extremely close. They did beat Melbourne in the finals last year there. Um, but yeah, in terms of form, I'd be leaning towards. The Lions, mm. also
0: indeed. Well, let's get into it then. Let's get, let's gather the leans and straight into the into the tips. The grand final preview, twenty thirteen. Yeah, Collingwood's back for the fir- for the second time in six years. Uh, Brisbane's back for the first time in twenty. Yeah, and um, as you said, you're leaning towards uh, the Lions. Yep. So why is it? other than form let's talk through form let's get into some nitty gritty what, yeah. what do you mean when you say form what is it about it what 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 elements of the, of the Lions output in the last
1: month has yeah. really said you know yeah. this is the team to pick they score they score heavily um, they know how to you know I think I can't remember at the top of my head, but over the last few weeks they've put up, uh, they've put up some really big scores over the century. So um, I, I think that is it. it auto, for me, that automatically puts Collingwood on the back foot. So they they have to. I think the first thing Craig McCrae would be thinking this week in their in, in a few of their um, strategy meetings: How do we stop? Um, Brisbane from scoring Collingwood you don't really have to worry too much about that you might have to worry about the midfield battle the contested battle stopping them from there but not so much uh, who's going to play on Oh, McStay's not there anymore but Majacek, uh, Jamie Alley there's not really too many options to worry about and the way Collingwood score um, they usually come out of the blocks firing but they, they they slow down as the game goes on as we've seen over the last few weeks but yeah Brisbane on the other hand they're just so ruthless with the way they attack, they can go down by five goals like they did in the prelim and you can't write them off, they just score quickly, um, they've got so many ways, so many um, players that can damage you—a lot of X-factor: Charlie Cameron, uh, Joe Danaher, Eric Kipwood, they can all, they're all capable of kicking over four goals. Um, and yeah, the, 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 they're also got stars across all the lines as well. We know how good their midfield is. Harris Andrews, I thought, was their best player in the preliminary final. Um, he kept the the, um, the Coleman medalist. Um, Pretty much, uh, he limited him all day. So, a lot of a lot of um, star players in that Brisbane lineup, and um, yeah, they're, they're hard to stop. They are, and again, they they
0: have so many indicators that really kind of push them into into favouritism. Although they are still outsiders in the betting markets. Mm. Shout out to our friends at Sportsbet, but inside 50, they're winning that by 10 per game. They've they've smashed the inside 50 counts in both of their funnels, So, like, just just in in an era or in a season in particular where it's been quite hard to score from your inside 50s having such an advantage, numerical advantage and just turns of opportunities really puts them ahead of the ball Um, and the other turn is they are a really like heavily potent contested ball team in terms of possessions but they Mm. actually score a lot from turnovers and then defend really well on turnovers as well you said Harris Andrews being mm. a key indicator of that as well but in terms of actually the potency they they score heavily off turnovers and they don't actually consider that much off turnovers and they're ranked number one for both those um, as the first team to do so since Richmond in 2018 when they were probably at the, the peak of their powers so a lot of things point in that direction probably the question mark I have then is it hasn't matched up in the last three seasons do they have the the players there they have potent players, they have front running players, they have momentum players? We saw that, you know, they they took the first punch against Carlton but, you know, they got the job done. Do they have the team that can play a more tactical game if this stays you know, as a tight tussle for four quarters, because I think that's Collingwood's strength. Is that do they have a lot of jets? Well, they've got Dacos who could have won a brown loan, but other than that, they have got the who turned yeah. it on last week. Yeah. And other than those two, there's not, there's no one super scary. We've said this all final series. Like, it's yeah. a good, good team, well coached, incredibly well coached. Yeah, great like, match awareness, but not a scary team. Brisbane, almost the opposite. You look on paper, there's just like, there's so many Jets in this team, it's a bit like GWS. Mm -hmm. But as we saw, Collingwood found a way to neutralize basically everyone in the Giants. And they go, are you gonna win by a point? That's exactly what they did. So um, do you trust Lions if it's, you know, halfway through the last, it's a goal, goal difference. Do you trust them to close out? (sighs) Yeah. Because I don't trust them to close out. This game has to be dead by three quarter time with Brisbane in lead by plenty. If they're gonna win, I
1: reckon. Yeah, because, yeah, it's a, it's a good point. I, I don't think, you know, when Brisbane win, they usually win comfortably. Mm. It's very rarely a slog. And if, if Collingwood make it a slog, then, you know, I think that plays into Collingwood's hands a little bit. Um, they, they've obviously got X factors that can win games off their own boot. Um, there's no doubt about that. But, um, yeah, I think tactically, um I think that's maybe where Chris Fagan can get found out. If you do manage to stop Brisbane's avenue to goal and, and you know, getting that ball inside 50, uh, yeah, it's, yeah, I'd be a bit worried about Chris Fagan's plan B and his plan C. So yeah, it's a good point. I think that is Collingwood's biggest strength is, is they've probably got the better coach. Mm. So yeah. No, I don't trust them at all. <laughs> I reckon if, if Brisbane were to win, it would be by three or four goals, five goals.
0: Um, and on the flip side, so Collingwood are struggling to score in this final series. They're struggling to score in general. And Brisbane's a bit of a hoodoo side this year. So they've conceded their highest uh, scores conceded this season have both been the Lions. They conceded 116 in round four and 124 in round 23. Probably doesn't mean that much now. The more bigger issue is they've had six goalless quarters this season and they had one in the qualifying final against the Demons, and they had one against GWS last week as well. I don't think I can afford to have a scoreless one against the I Lions. Can't afford it in a grand final. Either. And it could be very like, very easy to happen because, again, like yes, they're hugely efficient, but they just seem to be very, I suppose, safe now. Like, the last... Eight months, and again, uh, McCray Command said this: like they were very safe against the Giants, and I think part of that is because the Giants forced them to play safe football. Yeah. You know, you got you're in that tussle, so maybe that's actually an advantage as well. Maybe they, made that proves that they actually have the the maturity and like there was and like the assuredness to play boring football and yeah. just win this game and do what you know a Ross Lyons side couldn't do. Yeah, and but I think this comes down to the gut feel. Is like all year you've said that Ross Lyons side. Doesn't win grand funnels, historically speaking, they don't. Yeah. And this is feeling more and more like a Ross Line esque football side in the sense that they're very safe, very defensively focused, and will take the scores may appear to us, We won't try and take a risky yeah. kick. We won't try and take the game on too much.
1: But th- th- that's exactly right. That's how that's how Collingwood score as well. That's how they've scored all year. They like they they're usually more aggressive with their kicks going forward. They might yeah take that corridor option mm. run it through the corridor we've seen that you know over the last two years how much they like to score through that avenue um, so yeah I guess what what the issue has been in finals is they've gone in their shell a bit I find um, after half time in the prelim I think they kind of got the sense like right if we're going to win this game we need to take more risks and that's exactly what they did they they you know they through their punches at GWS. They got through a few times. Didn't blow them out of the water in terms of, you know, they didn't kick 10 or so goals. But, yeah, um, in a grand final now, who's going to be the one? Who's, who's going to have the guts to t- take those risky kicks? Because, as, as we know, Brisbane can hurt you off the turnover. Um, yeah, grand finals will be completely different when those, yeah, when you've got nerves and... Um, yeah, a lot of pressure on your shoulders. So, again, it, it, it's going to be really interesting and um, looking forward to seeing how Collingwood kind of manage that balance because, yeah, it's it's all good and well to, to defend, but you still need, you know, goals to win games. The other talking point this week has been
0: the crowd. You've been to, I'd say, an equivalent grand final with uh,
1: Hawthorne Sydney. Yeah, I've been to a couple with yeah. over
0: 100, yeah. Yeah. Um, being a Victorian team, did actually is there enough seats and tickets available for members to make a difference, or does the Collingwood nineteenth man get diluted a bit because of all the corporates and the other people that get tickets to these games?
1: Yeah, it does. It doesn't really feel like um, doesn't feel like the prelim the week before. Mm. That's for sure. The prelims are always louder than the grand finals. There's a lot more neutral fans at grand finals. There's a lot more corporates. Um, and yeah, in terms of the members, I don't think members get looked after at all. Like seventeen thousand tickets uh, for for Collingwood, you know, a club that has over a hundred thousand, mm. it's a bit ridiculous. Um, but it's it, it it is it's a level playing field now. Um, it does become a bit of a neutral venue. Obviously, you know, I don't think size of the field really matters much um, on grand final day, but. Yeah, it'll be a bit like 2018. I, I, West Coast weren't really outnumbered. There was probably a few more Collingwood supporters through the MCC gates and whatnot. But um, yeah, uh, Brisbane, they they have a fair bit of support in Melbourne as well through the Fitzroy days and um, obviously a fair few will travel down as well. So they'll be well supported. Um, I'm not really expecting that, um, yeah, that 24th man to really have too much of an impact.
0: Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's get into some uh, predictions and some tips and some uh, and some bets because uh, <laughs> it is something that we like to dabble in on uh, Grand Funnel Day, the obvious ones for your sweeps and for your picks. Uh, it's our desktop decisions and our tips. So first goal kicker, who are you going to lean towards? You can have one from each side or you can just pick one up to you.
1: Well, yeah, I'll just go for my gut. I think Collingwood will come out of the blocks fast mm-hmm. um, as they always – Tend to do, um, so I'm going to go Brody check Lovely as an option. Well, uh, I'm going the
0: opposite way. Uh, Brisbane have the clear clearance dominance, so you yep. know they'll win the first clearance. They're going to kick it into a nice little uh, contested, uh, you know, play in the inside fifty. They've just lost a key defender, <laughs> uh, so uh, Big Joe Deneher will have a mismatch. He'll work his way into a mismatch, a nice little leading pattern, get, find himself at the end of one. And he's also been the first goal scorer in two of his last three away appearances against Collingwood. Really? So uh, doesn't mind kicking the first one against the Pies. He's paying 10 bucks at our friends at Sportsbet too, so uh, yeah. don't mind that one. Um, we'll go the winner next, because the Norm Smith, I reckon, depends on the winner. Yep. So who do you think's going to win? Money uh, in your mouth is. Brisbane. Who, That's my gut feeling. By feel. how much?
1: Yeah, about three or four goals, I'll say. Three or four goals? Yeah, We'll go halfway 20, 20 points. There you go. Well, if I had to pick an actual
0: uh, tip tip, I'd say either side under 15. So It's going to be less than three goals. It's going to be a tight one. Yeah, it could be. Yeah. I'm going to say probably, sorry, hopefully, it's super tight. Hopefully, it's less than a goal the whole time. And that's usually how the Pies like to play. I reckon on paper, it's Brisbane. And I just think, I honestly think that Collingwood is cursed. Yeah. Yeah. Like 2018 proved to me that Collingwood is cursed.
1: You're not much of a hoodoo man though. Not I... much of a
0: hoodoo man, but I think <laughs> some clubs are big enough to to affect the yeah. spirits of nature. Yeah. You know? And I think, I think Collingwood's big enough. Big mm. enough and old enough to have an effect on their hoodoo. As such, uh, we've got two Brisbane winners. Who's winning you, Norm Smith?
1: Well, I don't think it'll be a midfielder. I think their midfield is really well balanced uh, in terms of the their possessions they get. You know, sometimes a Lockie Neal or Dunkley might get over 30, but usually they've got three or four guys in the mid to high 20s. So, I don't think anyone will really dominate that area of the field too much. I reckon it will be one of the forwards. It could be like a Danaher Cameron, or it could be like a Harris Andrews at the other end who might just completely dominate in defense. But I'm going to go Charlie Cameron. Charlie Cameron's definitely the sexy option. He's kicked 10 goals against Collingwood in the last two games, Mm. four and six goals this year. Um, So, yeah, he loves a goal Mm. against the Pies. I think in modern times,
0: there's been a bit more analytical, tactical selections for the Norm Smith. Like when Bachelorette Hawley won, so off halfback. So I reckon Harris Andrews is a decent shout. He has to have a great game for Brisbane to win. Yeah. And so therefore, you know, that means he would end up being Norm Smith. Other part two is I reckon Lockie Neal, as much as he said like, "Oh my God, I didn't want I couldn't believe I won the Brownlow. Yep. I reckon it's a point to prove after a whole week of everyone saying yeah. you've got to change the system yeah. because you're not good enough to win he the Brownlow. Exactly win it. He might yep. come out have 36 touches, kick a couple of snags, sh- yeah, uh, ten clearances, you know, 25 tackles, and just rip this thing apart. So, yeah. Here's
1: my Smokey. Uh, for Collingwood as well to give some of their players a shout out. Uh, a little Smokey there would be Isaac Quano. I thought he was brilliant in the prelim final. Jordan DeGault is by far the best player in that game. But Quano, if he puts up a similar performance, keeps Charlie Cameron very uh, quiet. He could be a sneaky shout. Absolutely. This one's just uh, for the old fans of the
0: podcast who'd like a bit of a bet. I've got myself a six-leg multi. It's not quite Jerry's 10-leg ten multi, multi for the Brownlow, but uh, here we go from top to bottom. We're going unders. I want a tight game. Tight game to happen when they're unders. Each of Collingwood's last nine September matches at the MCG have gone the unders. Yeah. Um, and I reckon it's going to be a tight game. So yeah. not too much, too much of blow out. Brisbane's going to win the third quarter and the third quarter's also going to be the highest scoring one. So uh, Brisbane, six of their last seven matches, the highest scoring quarter has been the third. Mm-hmm. They like to come out they've been the f- best performing third quarter team in the competition. Collingwood is ranked 12th in their third quarter performances and it's often when they are held goalless. So keep an eye on that one. I'm taking Brisbane at the line of 4.5. It should be a 50-50 game. You give me almost a goal start. I'll take it every day of the week. Um, Dacos will get back into the uh, leather poisoning with 25 disposals or more. He's only missed uh, 25 disposals or more once this year. And that was when he first returned in the uh, qualifying funnel. He had four, but strapped up mm-hmm. from injury. And Lockie Neal off of Brownlow could win a Norm Smith, could be in the premiership, could do the triple. He'll at least get 25 touches as well. Put those six together. And our friends in sports are paying at $20.75. Uh, if you do want to double in that, there's some same game multi-insurance things you can play around with or a power play. But more important than all of that is remember that uh, you're probably going to lose. It's a sick leg multi on uh, grand final day. So, uh, you know, gamble responsibly. <laughs> (laughs) Remember that you're probably going to use. Put a cap on your betting, and uh, make sure you're enjoying the football more than the odds with your mates, your family, or getting stuck into some uh, some friends of yours who may be backing for the losing side. Well said. As uh, the uh, rooftop starts to fill up with a bit of a crowd, the uh, MCG vibe is starting to swell. We better get out of here, enjoy the rest of our afternoons, and get ready for the big dance on Saturday. Thank you, Nikki G. We'll be back, uh, maybe not next week, but probably the week after, with our recaps of the season that was after we recovered uh, from uh, a Brisbane win. and Another letdown for those Collier Whopper fans. Go <laughs> the Lions!